Episode 45 with Dr. Carly Day, sports medicine physician at the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, Before we get to the episode, I just want to say thank you to everyone who continues to listen and to all the loyal listeners of this podcast out there. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. The feedback's been phenomenal. I, uh, I cannot be happier with the way things are going. And please continue to do that. Please continue to provide feedback. Send me messages. You can email me. You can direct message me on Instagram. Leave us comments. Uh, rate us the five stars. Keep it going. The, the podcast is picking up steam and it's growing. And uh, I'm grateful to you for, for making it happen and uh, joining us on this journey. So, again, thank you for that. Uh, episode 45, we will continue with the momentum because I was able to talk to Dr. Carly Day. Carly is... Um, been doing the medicine thing basically your whole life, going all the way back to high school, senior project, which you'll hear in this episode, and uh, works with athletes and has seen all types of injuries and uh, just a phenomenal person, very smart, bright, insightful, uh, and provides a lot of information throughout this episode on various topics, some of which include gender pay differences, uh, child youth development and sport, concussion protocol, all these different types of things that we talk about, and just life in general. So without further ado, let me get out of the way and welcome the one and only Dr. Carly Day. The Optimal Life. Oh, goodness. Years. Like ridiculous, right? Yes. How many years? If we're saying years, it has to go back to like, I don't know, 15 years? Yeah, at least. Maybe more. You just brought uh, pictures of of camp into my... (laughs) To my house, we go back to what were we like seventeen? Oh yeah, campwise counselors back. Yeah, eleventh grade, twelfth grade. You know, I had Rachel Kaufman on. You saw, yeah. That I, I'm so glad you brought that up. That was one of my favorite podcasts. Was it? How how amazing I is know. Rachel? Like she's she like was a, this little camper, and now she's a criminal defense lawyer. She's just I mean, like that's, a badass. It's insane. That's real stuff. You know? Yeah, you, you it hear is. Her talking about it, that's amazing. It is. Uh, it's really impressive and. I mean, I was blown away by her story. I'm glad that you. I'm glad you listened. Oh, that was the best. One That's of the best favorite. ones. Yeah. Yeah. I, if I, I've, I always say, if I ever did criminal law, if I ever did law, I would want to do criminal law. It's like fascinating. It's just, it, it's a different lifestyle, though. I I can't imagine myself doing it, but again, it's like everyone's built differently. I was just so amazed at at her life and at what she's doing. It's incredible. Yeah, it was. It was really neat to catch up with her. And what are you doing these days? You're doing the sports medicine thing, Yeah, huh? yeah. I'm a sports medicine doctor at the Cleveland Clinic. Mm-hmm. Been there for seven years, going to my eighth year now. Um, it's it's amazing. It's great. You moved back from where? Where were you, like, back in 2011 before you moved back to yeah, Cleveland? Yeah, so I've been all around. So I went to Miami, Ohio right. uh, back in the day, and then University of Virginia for medical school and residency. And then uh, you do an extra year of training called a fellowship where I did in the University of Utah in Salt Lake City, which was a great year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we moved back to Cleveland. So we've been all around. How was that? How was the uh, the, the voyage before Cleveland? Did you enjoy I, being away? I thought away? it was great. Yeah, I love yeah. college towns. We had a great time in Charlottesville. And Salt Lake City was a really nice city. And it's, it's nice to be back home now. So I feel like I got out, spread my wings, saw what there's to see. And now I get to be near family again. Yeah, you know, the, thing, the strange thing about Salt Lake... That whole Utah thing is so different. It's so unique when it comes to like life. It's like that state is so different than every other state in the United States. Just like from the drinking thing alone. Everything's like measured and 
I don't know what it is. It's just I, I go there for business every once in a while, mm-hmm. and you just feel like you're in a different country. It's a weird thing. But Salt Lake City is so amazing because we lived like four streets away from downtown, and we lived yeah. in like a neighborhood. It, it, it's a city that I've never really seen anything like it's be- it. Well, it's a huge – and if you love skiing, there's like no better place to be. And Ogden – see, mm-hmm. when I usually go, I go to Ogden. Yeah. And in Ogden, it's like – what is there to do in Ogden? Besides go skiing, I guess, right? Yeah. But you have to remember, so when I was there, I was doing sports medicine. So I would work one day a week at Park City Ski Clinic. So you see all the injuries, right? You don't see the happy people skiing down the slopes. You sit there and all the injuries come in. So it makes you really paranoid. <laughs> so you, you don't know? let the kids ski is basically what you're <laughs> They haven't gone yet. They're a little young. But I would get paranoid. My husband would bomb down the hill, and I'd just be sitting there snow plowing, even though I was perfectly capable of skiing. But it's once you see people break both yeah, wrists at the same time, yeah. it makes you really paranoid. It's like when you're a nurse or you see, you see like the horrific things in life. You're like you're probably a little bit more cautious in your everyday life than than everybody else, at least. Oh, right? you can ask my husband. He, I like yell at him when he's doing yard work. I'm like, you're gonna get tennis elbow. Take a break from the, you know, s- <laughs> snow blowing. And he just laughs at me. So, uh, so Cleveland Clinic, what exactly do you do? What exactly are you focusing on? Yeah, so I, I have a clinic where I work and I see patients of all ages, um, you know, from six years old to 100 plus and mm-hmm. any any bone, joint, muscle, tendon issues, I take care of them and hopefully get them back on the road to feeling better. I always tell people if you're active or you want to be active, those are the people who I want to see. It doesn't matter your age or activity level. Right. And so you're seeing people from all all walks of life, all yeah. injuries, all injury types. You got athletes or people who fall and break something, even if they're not. And what are you athlete. doing exactly? Like, what exactly do you do? What I do from a day to day basis? Yeah, yeah like I mean, you a little of people. everything. Yeah. Sometimes we're injecting joints. Sometimes we're just sending people to physical therapy. We talk about medications. We talk about lifestyle modifications, weight loss, exercise. Um, a little of everything just depends on the patient. But then on top of that, I'm also covering sports on nights and weekends. So I cover You're covering a high, sports. Yeah, so a high school and a college, I'm in charge of all their athletes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's busy. Holy cow. <laughs> you have any time for family life with all yeah, that yeah, going well, on? Yeah. I'm lucky my husband's a stay at home dad, so yeah. that's how we survive. Stay at home dad, huh? Yeah. What a lucky guy. I gotta tell you. Well, I always joke that he's got the harder job of the two of us for he, sure. He but. clearly has a there's no doubt he has a very difficult job. He has a very, very difficult job. Because I look at my wife, I go, I don't envy you, especially yeah. when you've got little kids at home. Yeah, ours are five and four. And oh, I, yeah. I always say, yeah. you know, he's got the hard job. I go in, I'm, you know, I see people, I help them feel better. He's dealing with tantrums and all sorts of stuff. So where, where did you guys meet? We met in Virginia. I had a friend who mountain biked with his friend and they set us up. And bring that just a little closer to you, if, yeah. you, if you don't mind. And, uh, and so you guys got set up and what was he doing? Was he working at that point? Yeah, he's or? a mechanical engineer. He, okay. he worked throughout residency and, and fellowship. But when we came back here, he did get a job and then we talked about having kids and it just made more sense for him to stay home. Cause you know, I can't leave work if I have a kid who's has a cold, you know, I can't leave. I have patients waiting. So I have to cancel six people who are sick and want to see me. To have my kid go see a doctor, you know what I mean. So that was going to fall on him regardless. That's such a unique thing, to, to in, in today's day and age especially to see a man yeah. as the stay at home and the woman working full time. I mean, you guys are a really rare case, right? You know, it's getting more popular. I also know a lot of female physicians, and so there are yeah. a fair number of female physicians who have stay at home dad husbands. Um, but I even know a couple locally, and and he hangs out with the dads and the kids. It's it's sort of uh, a shifting paradigm there where it's happening more frequently. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe you're probably a little more exposed to it, right? 
that's why that's why you're reading articles on Ju- Julie Silver and this other <laughs> stuff that we'll get, that we'll get to. Um, but yeah, I just I just find so how do you guys even have that conversation? What's that like? Like you guys get back to Cleveland, and you guys want to ha- start a family, right? Yeah. And you're basically saying, hey. Uh, like, how does the conversation come up about him sticking around and staying home? You know, it was his choice, really. He brought it up. He had a friend who was doing it and sort of had seen it work for that family. And it was his choice. He sort of was needing a little break from his job anyways. And the plan was like, well, we'll stay at home for the first six months or so. And then I'll go back to work and see how it goes. And turned out he really liked it and it worked out really well. So he just never went back. Um, But he does have like now he's doing some woodworking on the side. He opened up a custom woodworking business now that the kids are in, you know, preschool. And and so he's he's going, I have a little more free time. Yeah, Yeah. you know, he's doing some things that he enjoys instead of working a job he doesn't like. So I feel like I love my job. Now he likes taking care of the kids and he has a side job he likes. So it's best of both worlds. So you come home after a long day's worth of work and was he doing cooking meals and doing the whole yeah, doing does, the whole thing the whole I would night. say he does 95% of the cooking mm-hmm. um, I like to bake but that's about, and I'll that's chop like the, I'll be a sous chef but that's, yeah, about that's it. like putting the cherry on top that's yeah the, I just like licking the, the batter stuff, right? still yeah. I think but uh, yeah he does most of the cooking and most of the cleaning and I do just like organizing toys clothes but I, I like doing that and it works out well that's crazy yeah that's so unique that's so unique I'm not exposed to anyone like that yeah, I'm not exposed to that at all, um, and I, I, you know, you got to have a certain personality to be able to do it. There's so many men that just would never even know what to do, right? Even if they wanted to do it, like but to be a really good stay-at-home parent. The trick is, easy. I think he has a better temperament for it than I do. I mean, you really have to have a lot of patience, and then he's also really creative and fun with them. I mean, I, I think he, like, if just given the choice, I think he's probably a better stay-at-home parent than I would be. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's so good at it. So if he like said tomorrow, hey, I gotta get to work. I can't do this anymore. You gotta you gotta stop working, and, and uh, stay at home with the kids. How would you react? No, we'd get a nanny. <laughs> I'll pair. Yeah, I guess that's the other option. That would right? be my I mean, choice, especially with two people working. No, I love my job. A, I can't. Yeah. I, would, I would. I would never leave my job. You love it, huh? Love it. Did you Did you take any time off after you had the babies, or just like six weeks? Just and then, quick. Yeah, just quick went and right back. back but to I mi- I missed it. I know. I yeah. mean, I love my kids, but I really, I, I, you know, I wake up every morning and I love what I do. I love seeing patients. I love helping them. I. I Really love covering sports. I mean, you have to stay on the sidelines of football games, you know, and that's work. It's, it's that's amazing. So, are you actually writing, or are you doing radio, or how does that with the cover? Oh the no, no, I'm like I'm I'm or covering just, from a medical standpoint. Oh, you're doing so it from a med. Injured. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So you I, say cover. Okay, I got you. I <laughs> you're was like, used Damn, to the other like, world. I'm like, yeah, I'm like you're doing it all over here. No, no sports broadcast. So you're actually just there on site in case somebody gets hurt. Yeah, someone dislocates a shoulder. I'm there to put it back in. If there's a fracture. We decide if they got to go to the hospital or not. We concussions decide if they can go back in or not you know that's a hot topic with the world cup just happening yeah some people on if you saw that some people got returned in situations where they looked a little confused at the time oh like came back from a protocol and like a- yeah there was like a quick assessment and people went back happened a couple times during the world cup so uh you know that's, that's a major major topic yeah you know, in all sports uh especially football yeah with the cte and stuff like that are you are you pretty aware of all that yeah, you know, it's such a big topic. And the problem is there's so much we don't know. You know, they know what it looks like when you do an autopsy, but they don't necessarily know how it gets there and, and what causes it. Um, so I think that there's a lot of science that still needs yeah. to, to come. It's a dang- it's a scary thing because uh, you, ha- you see these former players, especially like the NFL guys, mm-hmm. some of the NFL players, 
going and like killing themselves or taking their lives or killing their family or a loved one. It's just, and, and it's happening more prevalently, like more and more. And they're wondering what's going on. Right? Yeah, again, it's hard because yeah. some of the data is a little skewed. So, you know, they have people who donate brains basically to get biopsies of them, to get the autopsy and see what the brains look like. But these are all skewed samples because these are people who ha- were showing signs of it. And so you don't know how many people there were who were doing fine, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you, they'll say, oh, you know, 90 plus percent of people that they studied had it. But again, they're only studying the people who donated their brains because they thought something was going on. Uh, so, so you got to right. take a step back and look at the, the grand scheme of things. And there's, there's so many benefits to sports. And, you know, I talked to people who played football in college and it got them a degree. You know, at my college that I cover, there are guys who maybe no one in their family went to college before and football got them oh, a college yeah. scholarship. So there's sure. so many pros, you know, you have to be aware of the cons. But at the same time, I mean, there's so many good things from learning how to work as a team, right? You know, rela- re- you know relating to other guys. I mean. Yeah. The competition aspect, knowing what it's like to lose. I mean, I think yeah. knowing what it's like to lose is actually uh, a tremendous benefit growing up knowing competition is a benefit yeah how are you going to succeed in the real world if you don't know what it is to compete at a young age right you know sitting back in your room or being inside and tucked away and, and sheltered from from that kind of stuff is uh is a detriment to these kids yeah and now they're all just getting participation awards half the time <laughs> right things have yes. changed things, things have, have changed, changed quite a, a lot bit. i don't know That's why i'm not sure how it all shifted but uh, all jokes aside, I think it's a I think it's a tremendous disservice to a kid to not know what it is to compete. Yeah, to like I said, I think there's so many benefits to sports you can never take it away. Now there are rule modifications that are being made, you know, especially in the NFL, but at all levels, and mm-hmm. you can try to use those to make it safer. Um, but still, I you know I wouldn't take away the sport altogether. I think there are too many. Pros. Oh no, no, I, I agree. I I just think that there's a. Uh, I don't know what the solution is. I really don't know what the solution is. I don't know if it's uh, if it's a different type of technology with the helmet and the pads that they're wearing and those kind of things. The constant, you know, the banging of the heads thing is terrible. But the, but then you look at UFC fighters and they're taking closed fists with a three or four ounce glove right to the head. They're taking knees to the face. They're well, taking they, kicks to the head. They essentially win if they cause a concussion. Yeah, they, right? Win, I mean, they, they right. They basically win if they and not only cause a concussion. I mean, t- just puts you out. Right. Put you out for potentially a minute. I mean, you yeah. can be put out for a long time. I've been watching a lot of, of MMA lately because one of our wrestlers, one of our college wrestlers, actually is now a professional MMA fighter. Really? Bellator MMA. Who, who is it? Joey Davis. He just okay. uh, competed last week and won. So he's 5-0, and I think, now. Wow, that's in awesome. In Bellator. And he was... He was actually undefeated in all four years of his college wrestling career, so he never lost a match. Where's he from? I believe he's from Compton, California, mm. um, and then he was at Notre Dame College here in Ohio, and like I said, won four national championships, never lost a match his whole college career. And really? Now he's making a living in the MMA, so wow. I, I sort so of follow you're a fan. it. Here yeah, you go. follow it a little bit. You'll be, you'll be taking care of these guys before you know it. I mean, I it's, it's it's crazy. It's I love I do love the sport. It's very exciting. And uh, I think it's a beautiful art form because there is so much more. It's not just like two guys getting into a cage and just – it's not barbaric. I mean, there's this is no, a true No, there's a lot of strategy. Form. There's, I mean, so much oh that goes gosh. into just training and understanding your competitor and knowing whether you're supposed to be more aggressive or hold back a little bit. Yeah, and, and, and are you going to go take the guy down? Are you going to keep it standing? When you're on the ground, how are you going to react? If you're on your back, how are you going to handle this situation when the other guy's on top, vice yeah, versa? Yeah, exactly. It's a complex game. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's yeah. pretty cool. 
So, uh, so the 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 sports medicine thing. I mean, it is. I agree with you. I think sports is amazing. I think if the being a doctor in that sports medicine arena is awesome. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I love it. It seems like it would be fun. Um, talk a little bit back to the Julie Silver thing, though, if you would. The the thing about the the pay gap. Yeah. And, and between men and women. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Just think about being a woman in medicine. And, and I feel like I actually don't feel the brunt of it because I have a clinic. And when people come to see me, they know they have an appointment with Dr. Carly Day. So mm-hmm. they say, okay, you know, they schedule the appointment. I assume they know I'm female because my first name's Carly. So when they come to see me, they're expecting a female. So I think that that plays into it. But sure. I have physician colleagues who work in a hospital. And if you think about it, if you go in because, you know, you need your appendix out. Whoever's on call is the doctor you get. You don't choose your doctor. And so I've had friends who are female surgeons, you know, who the patient comes in, sees that female surgeon, they're like, I don't want that person to operate on me. It's like, you don't have a choice. You know, like your appendix is infected, needs to come out. Um, Or they'll think in the hospital, get it, the female physicians are nurses. Or I've even heard African-American female physicians been told they're housekeeping. And yeah, and there's nothing Uh, wrong with, you know, those other roles, but that's not their role. And they don't get the respect they deserve. So some of it's that... That and stereotype. Yeah, right and then the bat, and they yeah. look at pay, and you know, a lot of people talk about female physicians not getting as much. I mean, this is in the entire workforce, right? But in physicians, they say, oh, well, maybe they're a part-time physician, so maybe that's why they don't make as much money. But they've looked at it part, you know, full-time males versus full-time females, and they still don't make enough. And they, they haven't studied enough to understand why. Is it because the females aren't negotiating a high enough salary? Is their productivity a little less? But, you know, when I talk to a lot of female physicians, a lot of people don't want to ask for a lot of money, right? Because I feel like I'm already making enough money. I don't need more money. I don't want to push it. You know, it seems greedy. But then there are other people going in, and, and it could be male or female, but I think it's more that male personality to say, like, well, I'm doing more than this guy. I know he makes this much money. I want to make this much money. Whereas the females just sort of say, you know what? I'm doing all right. Thanks. I appreciate my job. Um, so yeah, so there, there is a difference there. So some people have been putting out some research lately saying we really have to narrow the gap and pay people not for, I mean, pay people for what they're doing, what their work is, whether it's seeing patients, research, teaching, but making sure they're compensated fairly. So is, is the, are the salaries publicly made or they, they have to go behind the scenes to figure all this kind of stuff out? Some places are public, like if you work for a state institution, if people work for keep like going. a university. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. Um, sometimes that the salary is out there. But there are also physician surveys. So like I'm a physical medicine and rehabilitation physician, mm-hmm. and they just published the 2017 basically salary survey where they survey all the physicians. And it was a huge difference. I mean, it was... Like what numbers? What are we talking? It would be like a 30% different 30% more for males. What, do they give like actual salary figures? Yeah, these are like averages, yeah, right? right? And they're course. different kinds of positions. And... But I, I want to say the female was like 250 and the male was like 330 or somewhere somewhere like that. I mean, pretty wide gap. And there. it was like comparing the same, like a male yeah, and the... that one didn't look at it exactly, but I mean, it's just sort of average male versus average okay. female. But there are other ones that have looked at it in a little more detail. And it, there, there's always a gap, you know. The, mm-hmm. the, no matter what The width is. of the gap can vary, but it's always there. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really a... I mean, that's a significant difference, like you said. It's like a third. Yeah, basically. yeah. And there's an interesting concept that just there... I've been reading about... I've been on Twitter lately. Watch out, everybody. Uh-oh. Carly Day, MD, by the way. <laughs> I have like 20, Shameless plug. 20 followers. <laughs> You'll have 21 after this interview, I promise you. Um, But so I've been, you know, there's this whole um, thing like called he for she, hashtag he for she, where it's 
that, you know, male physicians or, or male anything really need to help the female physicians. You can't just have a bunch of women get together and try to advance themselves. You need the support of, of males that you're working with, too. Um, so that's always interesting if you, you know, go on Twitter and, and do hashtag he for she to see what mm-hmm. they're putting out. And they, sure. they also looked at the difference between um, mentors and sponsors or mentorship and sponsorship. With the point being that a mentor is someone who, you know, helps someone, gives them guidance, whereas a sponsor is someone who actually tries to elevate them. So, like, nominates them for positions, you know, gives them roles in more leadership positions instead of a mentor who just says, oh, yeah, I've been through that. Here are some tips on how to do it, but doesn't really try to elevate them to the next level. So, you really want sponsors and not mentors. Yeah, unfortunately, there's probably always more mentors than sponsors, right? Right. That's just the way it goes. Yes. It's the way it goes in society, it seems like. Um so, so she she published Julie Silver's. Uh, what is she? She's a she's a female physician who's yeah. actually in my field, physical medicine and rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. And she's just been doing a lot of research on this lately, looking at like who's won awards in societies, and they look at you know they, what they call manals. So like a panel that's just a bunch of men. There's no women on the panel when you go to conferences. Um, And just saying, you know, you want diverse opinions, not just male, female, right? But other backgrounds, other ages. You want a variety when you have a panel because you're trying to look at other opinions. And they see that's just sort of like the same dude, five of the same dudes sitting five, across the five panel. Five of the same, right? Yeah. <laughs> no one really has it's not good. No. It's like when you look at a jury and you're in the courtroom and there's, you know, it's a, maybe it's a racial case and they're all one one race and you're going, oh, right? Yeah, exactly. Or, or there's exactly. 11 men and one woman on the jury. You're going, are you kidding me? And it's a rape case yeah. or, or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know what that would be. Attributed to, I understand what you're saying. Like, are people just complacent? Like, oh, I'm making a good living. I mean, two hundred fifty thousand dollars is a nice living, no matter how you slice it. Right. So, that's like what you I'm said, like, I think a lot of people just don't. You know, you don't want to complain. You don't want to make waves. That's not my problem. I like to make, complain and make waves all the time. But you right. know, I, and and again, there are other things people will say. Well, women early in their career might take time off to have kids, but it's like six weeks. I mean, yeah, lots of people yeah, take time change. off to. I don't know. They, broke their ankle and need to take time off of work, right? I and mean, what was it in the study that the the women, the success rate of of, of procedures? Was- oh, right. So, yeah, there was a big study that came out basically saying that the people who had a female physician in the hospital actually fared better than a male in the hospital. It was a small difference, but it was significant. Um and actually, younger females were, were the best groups. I keep joking. I'm like, maybe I should go back and work in the hospital. Uh, <laughs> when you say small yeah. difference, but it was significant, what do, you, what do you mean? I don't remember the numbers. But the point is saying it's like, you know, there's only a small chance you're going to actually die if you go to the hospital. You're not like, it's not like half people there are yeah, passing away. Right. So it's just saying there's a small chance anyone's going to die. But there's still a slightly higher chance if you have a male physician that that's going to happen. Oh, because of, you're right. It's the serious nature of it, you're saying. Yeah, so it's, yeah. A, it's a statistical thing. It's a low absolute risk, but it's a there's a relative risk difference. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's I have to I have to read these studies too. I, I was kind of browsing around and, and yeah. looking at them. And, well, there's always different ways to pick apart a, a journal always, article, always, right? It's yeah. more looking at trends and looking at general ideas, but... Um, it's gonna. I wouldn't say female physicians are better than males, but it's just there's definitely evidence that they're not worse, and there's definitely evidence they're making less. So well, they're definitely not, you, yeah, they're not like two thirds or a third inferior to males, right? right? Like that's a big gap, right? When you're talking about if you just look at somebody's skill level, and you're talking about almost a hundred thousand dollars or a third practically of what the other person's doing, eighty thousand, I think, yeah. based upon what the yeah, numbers you gave. Yeah, big difference. Um, yeah, the the female doctors are not. 
Like if I went into a hospital and and and, I, and somebody said, "Hey, you can choose between Doctor A and Doctor B." Doctor B is only about two thirds as good as Doctor A. <laughs> Would you ever choose Doctor B? Of course not. <laughs> like that's right. like Doctor B was like like got like a seventy percent on all their exams, and Doctor A got a hundred percent on everything. Like you know that's but you get to pick. But that would never be the case. Is right. basically what you're saying is everyone is in the, pretty much a level playing field. If you get to that level, it is. The, the, there's just, not a quality difference. I think that's, that's been that's really point, well established. Right? Yeah. yeah. So so that's the question. Why are they getting paid less? And we don't really I have. Think an you're going to have to. You're going to have to start publishing and tweeting. And, well, uh, we're we're working. I'm, I'm starting a study this year, uh, looking at gender differences in sports medicine. Actually, so I'm looking forward to that and seeing what what the data comes up with. Um, and, and how, how are you going to like, what, how do you look at that? Like what kind of, well, well, we're looking at just men versus women as far as who has leadership roles in sports medicine, basically. So at the college level, you know, athletic directors and athletic trainers and team physicians and looking at the ratios. Oh, okay. Yeah. What was the, um, back to the children's stuff too. Uh, uh, the, the kids what we were talking about before with the sports and the com- competitive nature and those mm-hmm. kind of things. Talk a little bit about the the uh, some of the stuff when it comes to the childhood uh, yeah, sports. Yeah. The the big topic, the hot topic, is what's called early sports specialization, that, which yeah, is that. that we're seeing kids who are you know six and seven years old playing baseball year round when no one ever did that when we were kids, right? You play soccer, you run around and you know do a little basketball, and you're on a softball team, and um, you know now there's there's sort of this pressure at a very early age to do the same sport. And the interesting part is, again, people think, oh, you know, maybe my kid will get a college scholarship because they'll be better at it. And when you really look at the data, people do better when they specialize later. If you're good, if you're LeBron James, he played football till freshman or sophomore year, right? right. I mean, you know, you don't have to play year round when you're 10 years old to get a college scholarship. You don't have to be like Tiger Woods with a golf club in your hand at two years old no, playing just, football. You, yeah. you want them to do diverse sports. A, they're more likely to find the sport that they're good at, that they like. And so what we look at is there's there's a higher rate of burnout if you're doing the same sport over and over. The kid just gets sick of the sport because that's all they're doing. And there's also a higher rate of injury because you're doing the same motion over and over, right? So if you're a baseball pitcher and you're throwing, throwing, throwing all year long compared to someone who played baseball for a little bit and then they're doing basketball, that's a different motion for the arm. A basketball shot and a baseball pitch, mm-hmm. those are different motions, different angles. So you're not just getting that same overuse of the, of the arm, you know, that you would get if yeah. you're playing year-round. So the data for sure shows that they're higher risk for injury. So it's a psychological and a physical thing, potentially, basically. Yeah, correct. But then the problem is, and and what I see with parents who sort of understand, I explain the data to them, is they say, you know what, Johnny's coach is telling us that if he doesn't go to the camp that, you know, the coach wants him to go to over the summer, they're not going to play in the fall. And that's not really fair because Mm -hmm. I understand where the parents are coming from, right? They don't want their kid to have to sit the bench if they're a good player because they didn't pay for some summer camp or right, they didn't go course. to the winter training. So, it's so then not, they're like forced in. Yeah, it's, it's not an easy thing, but we talk at least about decreasing the volume, you know, and maybe not doing it every day or trying to find ways around it if they are going to play more frequently, trying to figure out a way to just do a little less of it. Is it is it all sports? It's not like one specific sport that they're burning out at a young age? or No, I mean, the ones they look at, again, is like a, a lot of overuse, so baseball and tennis and where you're really using you yeah. know, the arm over and over. 
Um, but even in runners, they've studied it. And runners who played what we call multi-directional sports. If you think of running, you're just running forward, right? But if you think of soccer and basketball, you're going to side to side. Mm-hmm. So runners who also did multi-directional sports have a lower risk of stress fractures when they're in college. And the thought is that when you do that multi-directional loading, when you go side to side, you actually increase the strength of your bones instead of just hitting them the exact same way over and over. So it's not just the arms. Actually, the legs do better if you do a variety of and sports. To, to me, like the first thing I think about when I hear a six and seven-year-old, I mean, these kids are, you're not even de- even near, anywhere near development. No, I mean, both plates are open. They're, oh I mean, my God, it's just, so crazy, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah. A lot of overuse that we see in, in the young kids. How old are these kids that come in? I mean, like I said, I see between six and 14. I mean, that whole age group before you really hit the high school sports. Oh, jeez. You really want to keep a variety. They're like shooting their their bodies before they're even developed. By the time they they hit like their teenage years, some of these kids are already just so probably uh, compromised. Yeah, I've I've seen it. I mean, I've seen kids in clinic and it's just hard. I mean, you talk with the volume of some of these dancers, some of the female dancers. They're doing, you know, how many hours a week? And they'll say they're doing oh, yeah. 30 hours a week of dance in yeah. addition to school. Right. I'm, I'm trying to figure out the math of how they even find time to get that done. I mean, sometimes it's You ever watch volume. that show Dance Moms? I, I, I did watch it back <laughs> in the day. I think the mom's like in jail. To, it's kind of tough to approach one of those whack jobs and tell them that the oh, kid's gosh. not doing too much dance. But yeah, that's, that's across the board. You see that all the time in all these sports. All, yeah, lots of sports, You see these sports, kids, these genders. kids, all genders, and these kids are uh, coming home from a wrestling practice after being belittled by the coach or by their dad who's the coach or going to a, a tournament they're 10 years old and they're getting reamed out by their father when they get home because they didn't they lost a match and they're yeah. 10 years old and then they start associating negative feelings with this particular sport yeah but they don't want to upset mom and dad so they keep doing it and then they start harboring it's like yeah. a vicious cycle what's it going really on is you deal age. with a lot of that with that's with the negative side of the sports though yeah yeah. Oh, wait, and I should put a plug in. We, we don't like people saying, uh, like, you throw like a girl, since we're on the gender differences. <laughs> there are all these, like, well, stories. You, you know, now if you watch the UFC, you say you throw like a girl. You throw a punch that, that like could, a girl. Yeah, that, that, that's could be a, that could be a compliment. Yeah. You watch Holly Holm or uh, mm. or uh, Ronda Rousey or some of these other women, badasses. That, yeah. You uh, say, I, you I don't want to be in a ring with them. Go watch <laughs> them and let's say you throw like a girl. That's a compliment yeah, nowadays. There you go. So, yeah. that's a <laughs> Now, if you throw like a girl, you're going to make a third less. So, do you have a. Like, so, when when you talk about that, though, who's negotiating the contracts? Is it you, the doctor, negotiating with the hospital or whoever's the employer? Or do you have representatives doing that? It's different for everybody. I mean, some people are in salary. Some people are in what's called productivity. So, like, the more people you see, the more you make. Some people get paid extra for research, for sports coverage. So, every place is different. You mm-hmm. can't really, you know, it's, it's sort of apples to oranges. Like when you work with a big hospital, is it, uh, like, do you have a representative, an attorney you're negotiating? Or did you negotiate on your No, Cleveland Clinic salary-based. So, yeah, But it's, like, it's a, across the board? No, I mean, no, you can you negotiate, negotiate a salary. Right? But yeah. yeah, but... Would you hire somebody or did you do it by yourself? I, my brother's a lawyer, so I had him take a look, look at the at contract. The, yeah. But, you know, there's not a whole lot. It's more in the private practice world where the contracts can <clears> vary significantly and you're looking at partnership and ownership of physical therapy or MRIs, that there's a lot more to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you work for a big hospital, a lot of times they're pretty standard contracts that maybe you can negotiate your actual salary, but, like, the benefits are pretty standard. and Right. You know, there's not a whole lot to, like, usually the benefits are pretty standard as far as how, like how many days off, whereas private practice, sometimes they say, oh, you can take as many days off as you want, but you're just going to make as much money as patients you see. Yeah. So it's a little different in those But, ways. like, people that are coming in, 
to just the Cleveland Clinic or a major hospital like that, and you have a, a man and a woman both coming in, are they basically being offered the same, or we don't know? Like that's the that's kind of we don't know. You know, I don't talk to you know the money is like such a sensitive topic, course, right? Yeah. That I have good friends who I trained with, and we sometimes talk money, but a lot of us work in different places, so right. I know sort of comparables. But it's like but, apples to oranges, yeah. Maybe a but I don't bit. like you know again. I don't know if a lot of people go to their colleagues and they say, hey, how much you making? But maybe, maybe that's something that people are doing that women need to do more of. I don't know. Yeah, it's never easy asking for you know asking for raises and salary increases and those kind of things. It's definitely more it's uncomfortable, and I think women by nature are probably a little less confrontational. Yeah, I, just, I, like I said, I think that just has something to do with it. You know, men will kind of just throw it out there, and it's uncomfortable for men too. It's extremely uncomfortable for anybody to have to go talk to an employer and say, "Hey, I deserve this much. I want this much more. I want a salary increase. Look at the way I perform." And then if you go in there and you say hey, um, I'm a female and I'm not getting paid as much as a male, that's kind of a, that's one of those weird arguments. Yeah, You're probably not going to use that. That's right, the you thing. want it on your merits. You want right? it on your merits. Mm-hmm. You don't want to sound like one of these, almost like a almost like a feminist type where you start getting into Especially that Especially if all of the stuff. bosses are male, right? Yeah, so you don't, you don't want it to come across the wrong way. So it's, it's, it's sensitive, right? Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. It's a very tricky thing. Yeah, it's a very true. I, I think in the end, people just need to get paid on on their merits, whatever the the bosses or you know seem to think is most important, mm-hmm. um, and just be more transparent about it. You know, we're paying people based on this, this, and this, and whoever meets those metrics or you yeah. know however however you want to rank them or grade them, yeah. you know, they get paid that way. Yeah, and you know what, people that are confident and like you said and are worthy of it, and they're talented, they're going to get paid. Yeah, they can't be shy about it. They have to use. Use their their uh, performance, their actions to speak louder than their words, and then you know when they're looking for that pay increase. Yeah. But uh, you, you know, go on, go go based on the merits, on yeah. the merits, like you said. Yeah, I think a lot of the the term unconscious bias is big in in a lot of places now, including medicine, where it's not that people think that people in charge want to pay women less, right? Mm. It's just sort of maybe they they think the person comes across as meeker, or they come across as quieter, or they come across, you know. It's that stereotype. Right, again. and it's yeah. not that they, they're saying like, oh, men are better than women. It's just they sort of look at that person and, and their general gestalt of them is like, oh, well, maybe they're not going to work as hard or maybe they're going to want to spend more time with family. Whereas again, you know, I my husband's a stay-at-home dad. I can right, work exactly. as much or as little as I want. And some people have, you know, some males have, Females they who are working too, and they got to get home to pick up the kids because the females working late. So oh yeah, I don't think you can make that assumption, but maybe no people do sometimes. Yeah, you know it's 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 interesting too because I've got daughters, and I want my daughters to have the same opportunities that anyone else has, regardless of what field they go into. Right. And I know that we're talking medicine, but it's probably true across the board. Oh yeah, it's probably true in society still. Women are probably a little bit less paid than men, mm-hmm. and I think there's been studies of it. Yeah, yeah, they looked at that. I'm sure the gap has definitely decreased over the past decades. I mean, things are changing, and but it's still one of those things that you you know you got to fight the fight, I guess. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's a hard battle because. You don't want to be the one who sounds like they're whining about right, money. Right, right. But at the same time, like, it should be even, right? I mean... It's... It should be. It should be. Yeah, it absolutely should be. So you're enjoying it. Oh, you're loving I, what you do. I, I love the college. I mean, it's just so much fun to hang around college athletes and yeah. and get to know them. You know, I, like, I get... I sort of always joke that I sort of... Mo- I'm getting older, so I feel more like the mom than, like, the friend. <laughs> That's scary. And, like, one of them, like, you know, like... <laughs> When kid graduates and you're like so excited for him that he graduated college and I'm asking them, you know, like, what are you doing next? And did you get a job? And they're sort of laughing, but then they're excited to tell me about that they got a job or they got into grad school. 
We actually have one guy in the NFL right now, which is exciting. Who's that? Uh, his name's Claudie Matthew. He plays for the Dolphins, or got signed by the Dolphins, I okay. guess. But, um, Where do we, what school did he go to? Notre Dame College. Really? Yeah, yeah. Notre Dame here? Right, right here. down the street. Jeez, they've come out. Talk about, I mean, again, gender. They were all all girls' school. It was a, yep, it was all, it was all females school. for mm-hmm. when we were when we were like 18 yep. and prior. It was all women. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it shifted over the years, huh? Yeah, yeah. They're, so they're uh, Division Two NCAA wrestling champions last year. That's crazy. Not this past year, year before. Yeah, they, they have a... Great athletes there. It's so much fun to work. Wow, with. that's cool. Yeah. What's the uh, what's some of like the most gruesome things that you've seen when these guys come in? You know, we had someone who dislocated his knee, which if not the kneecap, right? So the patella is the kneecap that can pop out. People pop it back in, but people, but he actually dislocated the knee, so like the oh, big leg geez. bone to the big mm. chin bone, right? The mm-hmm. femur and the tibia. Yeah. Um, and so myself and another physician had to actually put it back in place. Um, and it's a big deal because if you don't, the artery can get damaged or the nerve, and you can actually have to amputate the leg. Oh, really? But it, it went back in very easily, and, and the, the guy's doing okay, thankfully. But that was one of the worst injuries. God see, bless you guys. They see, Seriously. you know, shoulder dislocations, elbow dislocations, but those are more common. But mm-hmm. the knee dislocation is not as common, So, and it's a big deal that you got to... And you know that, like, this could be... Uh, that's some serious stuff. Like, yeah. we don't do this. This thing doesn't go the right way. This guy's without a leg. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty, yeah. pretty intense. What else? What other kind of stuff do you see? Like I said, most make of us the make us nauseous. Make, make all of us nauseous. Yeah, right the now, dislocations, the, the ones that are scariest for me, which like again, the dislocations look worse for the spectators. Something's pointing in the wrong direction, right? But for us, it's when the guy gets knocked out and you run out in the field and they're still stone cold out. You know, for uh, us as the yeah. physician, that's the hard part because you don't know if they're coming back real quick or it's going to be a while. And the big problem for us is, you know, neck. So you worry about neck injuries, spinal cord injuries. Well, if someone's unconscious, you don't know if they had a neck injury. So we always say if, if a person's unconscious, you have to basically pretend they have a neck injury and treat them that way until they wake up and they can say they're next fine. I can move my arms. I can move my legs. Oh, so for geez. us, that's scary. It might not look much to the, you know, people in the stands. They just see someone not really moving. Right. But for us, that's what that's what will get me heightened, you know, and more aware. Have you ever had to deal with a, a paralyzed paralyzation? or? Never. So we've I've treated them in my training. I dealt with spinal cord injuries, but thankfully, you've never had an athlete get a, oh, a, so, a true spinal cord injury. Yeah, that would be so terrifying. Yeah, yeah. When you've seen that happen like once every five years in the NFL, mm-hmm. I don't know what the number is. I'm just maybe once every ten years, and a guy well, can't. I mean, get, maybe even more recent. They, you know, they had. Um, was it Ryan Shazier? Shazier, yeah. You know, I mean, every, I feel like every couple of years, at least there's an injury. Sometimes well, major injuries, for sure, damage, for sure. But spinal cord injuries happen There was that kid from uh, Rutgers years mm-hmm. ago. I can't remember his name, but he was coming up when I was in the sports agent world. Yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah, I remember that? And mm-hmm. he was paralyzed during a game. So sad. Yeah. Because we had the McCourty brothers that were at Rutgers, so I was following it pretty closely. Oh. Yeah. It's a crazy thing. It's a crazy thing. Like everything in life, there's always pros and cons to, to anything. Yeah. There's a lot of negatives that come with sport, and there's a whole lot of positives that come with sport, you know? It's just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, but you've probably seen you've seen it all. Besides besides paralyzation, I'm yeah. sure you've seen practically everything. Oh, I mean you see you see little things and big things and it's it's honestly interesting how sometimes the little things actually keep people out where you wouldn't expect it, right? So you understand someone breaks a bone, they're probably not gonna play. But sometimes we have little things like stress fractures or skin issues in wrestlers and they're not allowed to compete if they have certain skin issues. Um, really? because it's contagious so if you have oh, like a geez. skin infection right you're not <laughs> and these guys will be like you're like healthiest. a dermatologist now yes. huh? well that you have to treat all their skin issues in the training room so they'll they'll be like the healthiest you know lowest body Jacked fat guy out, yeah. and they get they get skin infections got, like, they get ringworm herp- or something yeah ringworm herpes 
um, bacterial infections, and that's what actually keeps keeps them off the mat when they're perfectly healthy. You ever worry like being exposed to that kind of stuff, or do you do not? Does it not like affect you? It? Like just oh, being around no. it, and no, because no, I've you know I've been in like open heart surgery and brain surgery and training, so I can handle a little skin infection. What's brain surgery like? Weird. It's really weird. Like yeah, actually, I, I was there when they had to drill a burr hole in the skull. Oh. Yeah, and it's usually like you're on call and it's an emergency and you're sort of confused and sleep deprived. I Man, I was just watching. This is when I was a medical student, but it, yeah. Oh, holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Jeez. Yeah. That neurological stuff is. Oh, that, yeah. Now that is talk about hot intensity. Uh, oh, and, and I was I was in, I've been in like open heart surgery where the surgeon had me hold the heart. So they like you have the clean hold the heart. Head. Yeah, and they're like, can you stick your hand in there and hold it up because they have to like do something to the back of the heart, and you're just sitting there with your hand like you know trying not to move and your hands cramping up and yeah, being a med student is pretty that's crazy. intense. Yeah, and so the per the per- person's laying there lifeless. Obviously, they're out. Mm-hmm. And you're in school, what are you, like 24 years old, 25? I was young. I actually went to med school when I was 20. Jeez. Um, so I was on the younger side. So you like you couldn't even drink yet, but you're busy holding somebody's heart. Something like that. Oh, my God. Did you see the person's brain in the in the brain surgery? Yeah, sort of. You, you saw parts see, like, of it? the covering of it, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I, God bless all medical, all physicians, everyone that's in medicine. I've always said, my, my uncle's an orthopedic oncologist in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, you know, you go to him, that's not a good place to be because you've got cancer. You know, yeah. you've got cancer in the bones. But I've always said, I just give you guys so much credit because I can never do it. But I, see, again, I, I see what Rachel do does it. as a lawyer, and I think you I can never do way? that. It's just everyone has Everyone's different, wired differently, yeah, huh? Yeah. It doesn't affect. I mean, I see school teachers, and I think, like, I would never yeah. have the patience to handle them, right? 20 kids at once. That would never happen. And then I see that they're off on, like, summer vacations, too, and I'm like, damn, that would be kind of nice. But, you know. I don't know. I still think about it. I have like two kids in my house trying to keep them under control. Well, I think having like true. 15 or 20 kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's they something. might need the vacation by the time summer hits. So uh, you've been doing this for a, a, quite a while now. So where where do you, are you planning on sticking around, staying in Cleveland? Yeah, my family's here. Yeah. That's the hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I Like I said, I just love what I do. I don't, I don't really need any more. I like seeing patients in clinic. I like dealing with athletes and... You know, that's sort of, I, I, the, the funny part is, I don't know if you've ever had like a senior project when you went to high school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I went to Orange and my senior project, I actually did it in the Department of Orthopedics at the Cleveland Clinic with one of my friend's dads. So like, you know, it's meant to be a little way to expose you to different careers and I actually ended up with the job that cool. I shadowed. Yeah, no one does senior project. No one's senior project is what they end up doing for a career yeah, besides you. I was you. a big nerd back then. I was really like, I was <laughs> on the prize. So. Well, the fact that you were in medical, how'd you get to medical school at such a young age? You know, I was just young for my grade, and then I graduated college in three years, sort oh, of unintentionally. Stop, stop bragging. Even though I asked Do you not want me to answer the question? Damn, yeah, that's so. amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, but it all worked out well. I mean, medical like training Doobie Hauser. So You're long. like the real-life Doobie Hauser. The there fe- was a nickname. The female version. The there, female was a, <laughs> there, there was a... I was called Dugs by some See? friends. See? So there's school. something there to it. What, th- what age were you when you graduated from med school? So I was 24 or... When I, yeah, 24 when I graduated. Right. And mm-hmm. then you go do the Then you do... I did four years of residency, residency and one year of fellowship. Yeah. So, but you're yeah, young. To come, to come out at 29, 30, that's young. Yeah, yeah that's really... That's yeah. great. Most, most people are, what, like 33? Yeah, I'd take? say like early to mid-30s, depending on what field they're doing. That's such a long path. It's a long haul when you think about some people start their career out of college at 22, 23. Yeah. And other people who are in their mid-30s before they're really doing something on their own. You right. Know, really starting it's their a career. hell of a path. But you know what? 
the other way to look at it too is if you truly know this is what you're going to do, like you're going in for the long haul, you know that you're going to be 32, 33 years old coming out finally making a living. You're going to be working anyway. Like yeah. if you right, if you go off to college, come out 22. In 10 years from now, you're not, ret- I mean, you're still working anyways, right. right? Yeah. So you might as well, if you're truly like believe in this and you want to go for it, it makes all the sense in the world because you're going to come out most likely into a, a really good opportunity yeah, financially. There are a lot of physicians who will, people ask them like, would you let your kid be a doctor or do you want your kid to be a doctor? Because it's hard, right? I mean, we of work course. long hours and it's stressful at times. I mean, I don't find my job super stressful, but it can be stressful. And there's a lot of bureaucracy now that, that we deal with with insurance and what have you. But I would say, well, if they really wanted to be a doctor, I'm not going to stop them from it. You know, I mean, because again, it's the only thing I would want to do. Sure. That's that's interesting. And is your husband going to, I know he's starting to do this. this uh, His woodworking business is getting pretty busy. Yeah. I have a feeling once the kids are in school, he'll be close Keep to full-time. Do, yeah, I mean, he, he does a lot of it. Yeah. Doing well, that's great that he's able to do what he really wants to do. That's right. I mean, that's, awesome. it's, it, that's why I say it's a win-win because cool. I'm doing what I want to and he's yeah, he wants that's to. That's awesome. So we're both that's happy. That's great. That's great. Uh, where do people reach you? Yeah. So Social. Carly Day you already, you already is plugged the Twitters. yourself earlier, but <laughs> let's plug it again and we'll link up. We'll link it up too. Yes. So. I got to get my followers at least above 25 <laughs> for some stupid. I might not have it from this. this uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm not on Twitter. I don't do the Twitter thing, but it's I just, just started. So that, obviously... <laughs> Hopefully, it'd be sad if I Hey, listen, if you've been doing this for a few years and you're at 21, then hey. <laughs> just started a couple months ago. <laughs> Gotta start somewhere, right? Oh yeah. So t- it's uh, Carly MD. Carly Day MD. Carly Day MD yeah. on uh, Twitter. Is that it? Are you on Instagram or no? No. Instagram Someone is great. Have to teach that you got to get on Instagram. Yeah, it's fun. Oh, gosh. It's a, it, you don't have enough time, probably, though. <laughs> I don't have Based time. upon what it sounds like, you don't have enough time. So you work. What time is your, What's your schedule like during the week? It's so variable. Sometimes you have lecture at 6.30 or 7 in the morning. Um, and then, you know, you finish up with patients around 5-ish. And sometimes you have a lot of work to do. And sometimes you don't as far as what time you leave. And then you do the night, the yeah, weekends. In the, in the fall, you're yeah. doing Friday Friday night high school football and Saturday day college football, travel to away games. But fall's busy. Wow. And then, you know, it's a little slower the rest of the year. Maybe Cleveland Browns in your future, huh? Uh, they got to get a couple more wins <laughs> under the, their belt <laughs> thing before they bring me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you never know. You never know. You have a long road ahead still. So. Yeah, sure. That's awesome. That's really great. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, shedding some light into this topic and sports medicine, which is so cool. Yeah, I love it. Nobody, does, I don't know many people that do it, so it's neat. Yeah, it's good it's talking neat. with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Right. Good to see you. The Optimal Life. And thank you for listening to a, another episode of The Optimal Life. Really appreciate the support. And uh, if you guys enjoy what you're listening to and enjoy what you're hearing, as always, please click subscribe and give us the five-star rating so we can continue to elevate the podcast within Apple Podcasts and everywhere else that the podcast is played and provided. And uh, leave us a comment. Leave us feedback. You could. Uh, we're always open to feedback, whether it's positive or negative. So uh, you know, we want to do whatever we can to improve the show. And if there's something that we're missing, then let us know. You could reach me also on Instagram at Nathan Haber. And uh, again, I know that you have a lot of listening options these days. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of people sharing different things. So if you are listening to this podcast, and if you're a loyal listener to this podcast, from the bottom of my heart, I want to just say thank you. Uh, Very grateful for that, and uh, we're going to continue providing you guys with the best content possible so that we can continue to live an optimal life and be our optimal and best selves. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.